Inception in real life. 24 life hacks for lucid dreaming. Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is kind of an old school piece of Limitless Mindset content. It's an article that I'm pretty proud of. I've had some people tell me that it's kind of mind-blowing stuff. And I was going to share it today. And then I listened to the podcast that I had done years and years and years ago, kind of narrating this article. And I realized the audio quality was pretty crappy. And I started by answering kind of a, a really off-topic uh, Q&A question that had come in. So I said, you know what? Uh, it's kind of a nice morning. I feel like talking to the internet a little bit. I'm going to re-record this one to uh, enhance your listening experience just a bit. So if you appreciate that kind of commitment to audio quality, you can leave this uh, podcast or video and upvote or a comment or whatever there, wherever you are listening, just to, just to let me know. I do appreciate that feedback. And of course, everything that I mention here, all those little rabbit holes that you may want to delve into to make your nocturnal life just a bit livelier. You will find that in the article over on Limitless Mindset, which is linked below wherever you are listening to this. Let's dive in. In the film Inception, you remember that one, worth a, a rewatch. In the film Inception, a team of espionage agents is highly compensated by multinationals to manipulate people through their dreams. And good news, lucid dreaming is the closest thing outside of the silver screen to this. It's not hyperbole when I say that lucid dreaming can make your REM sleeping hours the most exciting part of your day. Probably not every day, but, uh, you know, some of those mundane kind of days, your lucid dreams will, will, will outperform anything else that you experience. So I'll share a few examples of my highly vivid and memorable experiences, like being the dictator of an underwater society. Next, once I fell through the center of the earth and experienced zero gravity, uh, escaping from a version of hell that would make any video game designer jealous. I've had epic Matrix-esque kung fu battles with swords, lightsabers, and machine guns. I've hung out on a luxury yacht that would make Jay-Z jealous, making love to Laura Croft from Tomb Raider, being attacked by a giant killer manta ray in the ocean, rock climbing caverns with my family, skydiving with Neil Patrick Harris after hitting on German girls. And yes, I know he's 
<laughs> gay. It must have been a couple of episodes of uh, his show with uh, How I Met Your Mother, I believe. Barney Stinson. Yeah, 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 that must have imprinted a bit on my unconscious. I have driven incredibly irresponsibly in high-performance sports cars, in dreams. I've interacted with loved ones that passed away years ago. I've had personal consultations with Winston Churchill, and I have fought giant bugs. You can uh, think of the movie Starship Troopers. It was kind of like that. It was pretty awesome. And then I have also done speed dating with grannies. That's right. That one really kind of makes you scratch your head, makes you say, what is going on in my mind? And if that all sounds kind of awesome, and if you're impressed that I remember those kind of details, this article, this podcast, will present methodologies for maximizing the entertainment value and the personal development benefits from lucid dreaming. Yes, there are some, there are some personal development benefits that can be in this. And I've got some infographics. I, actually, calling them infographics is a bit of a stretch. These are flowcharts that I created in this article that you might want to check out. And the design on them is kind of crappy. This was uh, in my early years of uh, designing infographics. You're going to want to check out the newer infographics I've done. So lucid dreaming is my coolest life hack. And I'll explain why. It takes what is usually totally unproductive, forgetful time, and it turns it into world-class entertaining adventures and opportunities for introspection. And it does have, I contend, some crossover benefits to real-life personal development. And there are a couple of products that can enhance it, which I'll discuss. But lucid dreaming is free. You don't need, uh, you really don't need anything very special to experience it. So you face a red pill, blue pill moment, dear listener. A dream life of adventure is not for everyone. So you may want to stop listening right now before being sucked into this uh, surreal world of danger, sex, misbehaving physics, and confusing conversations with your unconscious. But first, let's look at what are dreams. The theory that I think kind of makes the most sense, there's a couple of theories, but the one that resounds the most is as is that dreams are a threat simulation environment like the holodeck in Star Trek those of you who have watched Star Trek remember that on the Starship Enterprise in fact I think on every one of their starships they have this really cool room where they will create they can create holographic projections of anything so you'd have these great Star Trek episodes where the crew of the Enterprise goes back in time to like uh, to like the wild, wild west 
or to uh, they go back in history i think they went back in history to like medieval europe a couple of times and then they had all sorts of uh, adventures fighting things and battling and there's a romance to be enjoyed there in the holodeck it was it was a really really good uh, plot device actually and it was kind of uh, prescient of the uh, the metaverse world that seems to be emerging now. If if you've never gotten into Star Trek or if you only ever watched a couple of episodes of it, some of those classic episodes on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation or uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, where they went into the holodeck, some of those episodes are maybe worth a rewatch. So anyways, so like the holodeck, dreams can be a way where our mind can kind of train for situations that might threaten our lives. So like a lot of our evolutionary psychology mechanisms, uh, dreaming is adaptive to the threatening situations that we perceive. And this is why you will often dream about things like being chased, being stuck, falling, uh, technology malfunctioning, vehicles breaking down, or being interrogated by a uh, covert agent after uh, you watch the newest James Bond movie. And our dream life adapts to the threats we have faced in real life. Uh, As I'm sure you've heard about, Soldiers, veterans, and trauma victims afflicted with PTSD often have horrible, repetitive dreams which depict the traumatic event or versions of it. So taking just a snapshot of the science on lucid dreaming, the majority of the nearly 7 billion, is it 7 billion now or are we up to 8 billion people already? I need to Google that and see what the population number is. But the majority of people on this planet dream almost every night. So as opposed to being a shadowy world of scientific uncertainty, there is a substantial body of scientific research on dreaming which we can make uh from which we can we can derive some things and i had said originally here that there were 50 scientific uh papers listed on it and it looks like there are now 127 items listed over on pubmed which is kind of like the google of scientific papers. So that's cool. So there's a growing uh, amount of research done specifically on lucid dreaming, which is our aim. And let's look at studies that are done just on the topic of dreaming itself. And there are nearly 2000 studies on dreaming itself. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. That would be a thing to uh, delve into. Wouldn't it? Maybe that'll be a follow-up podcast to this. So the notable researcher on this topic is Dr. Stephen LaBerge of Stanford University. And he has spent his life researching and experimenting with 
lucid dreaming in psychology labs. And he has written three definitive books on the topic. And so some of his research work has entailed studying eye movements and EEG patterns during sleep. He developed what's called the mild technique, which we'll explain shortly. He founded the Lucidity Institute and developed the Nova Dreamer device. And meditation practitioners in Tibet have lucid dreamt for thousands of years, but Leberge's research has made it a scientifically credible lifestyle pursuit. So this is kind of one of these interesting uh, intercultural exchanges of, uh, of an introspective human technology that has been a tradition in the East for millennia, but has pervaded into Western culture and the Western scientific approach has developed it even more so that you can enjoy it. Sort of like you can think about uh, tantric sex stuff that I've talked about as a is a similar kind of meditation, mindfulness practice. There's a lot of ways that we've kind of had an interesting um, refining of Eastern uh, traditions through the Western lens of science and reason. So let's get practical and discuss induction. So lucid dreams must be induced. And this happens as a result of a highly aware mindset in combination with biohacking your physiology for producing lucid dreams. And this brings us to the MILD technique. And MILD is an acronym. It stands for Mnemonic Induction of Lucid Dreams. And it was originally developed by Dr. LeBerge. And so lucid dreamers practice this technique after awakening from a dream before falling back asleep. So this is something that you're gonna be doing typically between like 3 a.m. and 9 a.m. So, okay, so you have a dream and you've experienced this plenty of times in your life. You have a dream and then you wake up and then you're in your bed looking at your ceiling and you glance over, maybe you got a clock and it says that it's like 327 or something like that. And you're like, oh, here I am again, awake at night, uh, just laying here, being, being bored, thinking about going to the bathroom a little bit. But instead, if you wanna have lucid dreams, you're going to follow these four steps, just four steps, so pretty easy to remember. First of all, dream review. So you mentally review as many details as possible from the dream you just emerged from. Who were you with? What were you doing? Where were you in the world? So you just kind of itemize things. You say, I was hanging out with my ex-boss and we were on a boat and the boat was sinking, but there was a giant uh, penguin that was singing a Lady Gaga song or whatever. And then second step is you focus your intent. So you focus exclusively on your intention and desire to 
recognize the next time you are dreaming. Your mental mantra until you fall asleep should be, next time I'm dreaming, I will remember I'm dreaming. And you say that again. Next time I'm dreaming, I will remember I'm dreaming. Next time I'm dreaming, I will remember I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming. And you purposefully ignore all the other thoughts that enter your mind. Counterintuitively, what you don't want to do is use the phrase lucid dreaming in your mental mantra. You don't want to be saying to yourself, I'm going to have a lucid dream. I'm going to realize I'm dreaming and remember it and have a lucid dream. You, for whatever reason, that doesn't, that doesn't work great. And, oh, the other day, yesterday, I was talking to a client and he was saying how he had done different mindfulness things, different meditation techniques, and he had a real problem with the mantras. He, he had a problem repeating those mantras. He felt silly doing that. And this is kind of a thing. And a lot of people are like this. I can totally understand that. And the way to kind of get over that is doing uh, a waking life meditation practice more often and or the dual and back brain training. And uh, it depends. I actually recommend that people do both. But either of these mindfulness approaches will enable you to be a little bit less uh, judgmental because you may find yourself trying this mild technique and then you're repeating this mantra and then you're going to have self-judgmental thoughts that invade and that say, oh, you uh, you should be worrying about more important things than repeating a mantra. You should be uh, thinking about a credit card bill you have to pay when you wake up. And it, the more you do a waking life meditation practice, again, normal meditation or something like the brain training, the more you, I don't think you'll have so much of a problem with this mantra because it's kind of important. Third step in the mild technique is you visualize yourself becoming lucid. You imagine yourself back in the dream you just emerged from, which is easy because you just did a mental review of it. And um, if this, then, then if, the, if you can't quite do that, if the dream you just had is already uh, disappearing from your memory, then you think about a dream that you do remember because you, you got some dream that you, that you do remember. And so this is kind of like waking dream fantasizing, right? You're just mentally going back. And so you, you uh, imagine yourself, you, you cast yourself into the past and you imagine yourself in that dream recognizing that you are dreaming. So you just had a dream about a race car or something like that, but you didn't realize it was a dream at the time. So you imagine yourself saying, oh, I'm driving this car and oh, I'm in a lucid, I'm in a lucid dream. And then you imagine uh, doing specific, you imagine specific activities in your next dream, like uh, flying, like Superman, going on a date with Lara Croft, climbing a mountain with Indiana Jones, consulting Winston Churchill, killing Hitler, whatever, whatever it may be. And then step four is that you just keep repeating steps two and three above until you drift off to sleep. And if you get 
distracted by other thoughts. Again, don't be too judgmental, but just try to make sure that your mind is dwelling on that intention to remember that you are dreaming, to take note of that. Next tip here, uh, concluding on the mild technique, is to calm down when you are lucid dreaming. When, you, when that technique works and you realize that you are dreaming, you want to calm down. Many people's first couple of lucid dreams are exceptionally short as their excitement causes them to wake up, which is understandable. There are few things in life as exciting as realizing that you are in an action-packed, consequence-free reality. So it's this is a little bit of a mindset to bring into this. It's important to keep from getting overexcited while dreaming. For example, one of the first times I experienced lucid dreaming, in the dream, I was sitting in my old living room talking to my family. I got up and walked to the door. Looking outside, I could see a strange fantasy world. No, it maybe the uh, maybe a pet dog and our uh, and, and a pig were playing volleyball. I, I don't quite remember. <laughs> Knowing that a lot of stimulation and excitement in that situation could wake me up, I, as a, I turned around and continued the dull conversation in my childhood home, as opposed to going outside where exciting things were happening. happening. At the beginning of your lucid dreaming, it's best upon realizing you are dreaming to acquiesce a little, to acquiesce a little bit of your free will and to kind of treat it like a movie or a fantastic ride that you are on and let the dream take you away. You want to go with the flow a bit, at least in the beginning. Next, let's talk about dream signs. And there's some consistency in the elements of your dreams night to night, typically. There might be a particular cat you keep seeing in your dreams, uh, a song you hear, a woman in a blue dress, or whatever. One of the best ways to recognize dream signs is to keep a dream journal. And I'll have a little bit more on this below. If you spot one of your dream signs, then you're likely dreaming. A frequent dream sign of mine is being a leader or in political power. And another real frequent dream sign of mine, and my wife even jokes about this with me because it's such a frequent dream element for me, is me driving the old sports car I had when I was a young man. And I'm, I'm not sure why. I, I really love that car. It was one of my, my first loves in life, that car, that beautiful red Lexus SC400. Maybe I'll post a, a picture in the blog article of me with this car. But it was also, uh, when I had the car, it was a very uh, anxious time of my life. I had a bunch 
going on that I was really worried about. And uh, I did not know how to properly handle anxiety. So maybe it's a, maybe that's kind of like one of those micro trauma things where I had like a, a micro trauma that was attached to that car. So it's kind of stuck there as a lamppost in my unconscious mind. And next we'll discuss meditation, the art of disciplined thinking. And this, I contend, is connected in a profound way to one's ability to lucid dream. Meditation on a physiological level is disconnecting your cognition and your thinking from your psychosomatic nervous system and your mental dialogue. And so a meditation practice, waking life practice, prompts the kind of mind that is more able to detect when it is dreaming. So if you need any more reason to give meditation a go or give it another go. Next, let's talk about dream totems. So in Inception, the characters use physical widgets to test if they are dreaming. You, of course, remember that iconic top spinning. The most successful dreamers are in a habit of asking themselves every couple of minutes, even during waking life, am I dreaming? If they suspect the answer may be yes, then they perform what they call a reality test. And there's a couple of these. So first, words and letters change. So fine text, small text, is very unstable in dreams. So you look at a word or a line of text, and then you look away and you look back. And in a dream, the word will usually change by the time that you look back. Definitely by like the second or third time that you look back. And also, fine text is blurry a lot of times in dreams. And so we could hypothesize that this has something to do with evolutionary psychology that... Um, the written word is a relatively recent invention in terms of that psychology. So the dream, the mechanisms around dreams are maybe not quite high resolution enough for the, for the written word, but nobody really knows why text is typically blurry in dreams. You, you probably don't recall a lot of dreams of reading a book, right? So also reality checking while watching TV. It's a good habit to get yourself uh, asking, am I dreaming while watching TV scenes of violence, falling, chases, tension, or aggression? And this gets your mind in the habit of questioning reality during the kind of mind states that you are likely to encounter while dreaming. And of course, this is kind of beneficial. This, this kind of makes sense because, like I said, the lucid dreamers, they make it a habit to kind of ask themselves every couple of minutes, am I dreaming? And you may say, that's totally inconvenient while I am, like, if I'm out getting dinner with friends or talking with my, my partner, I want to be focused on what I'm doing. I'm not, I don't want to be worried about uh, questioning if I'm 
dreaming, but when you're watching TV or a movie, then you're really not doing anything important. That's that's a great time to be practicing this technique some. So hopefully you'll remember to do that next time you uh, are doing some uh, Netflix and chilling. Next, light switches. Often it can be difficult to change the ambient light levels in dreams. So light switches apparently will seem broken a lot of times in dreams or the light switch will only change the ambient light by like a fraction of what you expect it to. And this is one that I have had mixed experiences with. I have experienced uh, night and day changes in ambient light level in dreams, but apparently for a lot of people, this is a, a reality testing thing. So just switch on and off lights when you are walking into rooms and you may find that you are dreaming. Also, apparently some people find that it's very difficult to say their own name during a dream. That one is that one is is eerie, isn't it? That one is very odd. No one knows why. I might hypothesize that if you have a tough time doing saying your name in a dream, this might be a thing where dreams are disassociating you from your identity because your identity is it's not that important to a dream. And a lot of times dreams are a bunch of randomness going on, totally disassociated from your real life, from your from your real identity. So it might be a thing where there's a disconnection from your identity. So you, you'll have to try that one. Try saying your own name in a dream and then you can leave a comment on this letting, letting me know if you could. Next, let's talk about dream stabilization. This is pretty important. One of the biggest problems with lucid dreaming, especially the most exciting lucid dreams, the ones that you really want to stay in and enjoy, is that they are fleeting. I'm sure you've experienced this. It seems like you are really starting to enjoy the dream and then you wake up and lose it and you say, oh, damn it. I was just uh, I was I was just replaying uh, some environment of some great thing or great place that I visited once in my life and it was all exciting and now here I am in my bed at night looking at the ceiling yet again I think we're all familiar with that feeling of disappointment of uh, waking up and realizing a particularly appealing dream fantasy world we experienced just moments prior we realize it's gone forever. However, luckily, there are some easy methods for stabilizing dreams. First of all, and this is the one that works well for me, is hand rubbing. So you can enhance the vividness and stability of the dream by rubbing your dream hands together. And this is probably a thing where the the tactile sensation is getting you more grounded into your dream body and so you stay in the dream. Next is spinning. If you feel a dream slipping away, you simply spin around your dream body. 
and you'll find that you can actually spin at tremendous speeds and that it often will uh, bring you back into the dream. And then finally, just focusing on body sensations. In general, focusing on your dream body's sensations will stabilize the dream. So you want to really focus and appreciate the physical sensations, the dreams, aesthetics. So the feeling of someone's skin, the wetness of the water that you might be in, your center of gravity, you, you focus on those sensations. And it is, it is uncanny when you're realizing that you're in a dream and then you're feeling things you're feeling things in a real way. Although the thing about dreams is sensations are a little bit, are a little bit numbed. You will, you will notice this. You do not have uh, really distinct sensations. Like you can experience a little bit of pain in dreams. Again, this, this harkens back to the uh, threat simulation hypothesis on dreams is that, uh, like in Star Trek, typically in the holodeck, people couldn't be injured in the holodeck because then it would be it would be not a, a helpful uh, threat simulation environment to them. And so dreams are kind of similar. You can experience just a little bit of pain enough to know that things are going on, but really not very much. Next, we're going to discuss discuss supplementation and diet, and this can make a difference in dream stability. So nootropics, uh, nutraceuticals, uh, different health supplements, and smart drugs, however you want to refer to them, are one of the secret weapons of life hackers and lucid dreamers alike. And this is because promoting the right neurotransmitters can literally overnight, in a lot of cases, double or triple the intensity and vividness of your lucid dreaming experiences. Some of the most commonly reported effects of nootropics, even, even by people that, haven't, that have never even heard of lucid dreaming, one of the really commonly reported effects is that dreams seem really real and are longer than normal. So if you're familiar with the world of nootropics, and I bet you are, you have probably heard Joe Rogan talking about Alpha Brain. And this stack in particular has a reputation among its many thousands or perhaps its millions of customers for producing very vivid and stable lucid dreams. And this is thanks to the optimization of the cholinergic system that can aid uh, profound restful sleep and stimulation of lucid dreams. Although an important point, you are not going to want to take a nootropic stack like Alpha Brain directly before sleep. That's going to be stimulating and mess with your sleep. But it's worthwhile to experiment with uh, trying something like this a little bit later in the day where you can get a little bit of a second wind of productivity. Although you do have to be real wary of if it messes with your sleep, then I say it's not really worth it. And I do link to this very cool little presentation that Onnit did on lucid dreaming that you may want to check 
out if you need just a little bit more inspiration. Some more nootropics. Choline and Huperzine A. So choline is one of the core building blocks of the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. And Huperzine A maintains acetylcholine. And acetylcholine, among other things, is important to the perceived connection between you and your dream body. And it's also important to uh, profound REM sleep. And that's when you're having your lucid dreams is during REM sleep. And people on these kind of nootropics often report that the fantastic dream world feels more real. And some people even report out-of-body experiences while unconscious on Huperzine A, you know, the whole experience of rising up in the room and seeing your body there doing whatever it's doing. And then you fly off to go and confer with some uh, aliens in the astral plane or whatever. Next nootropic, DMAE. And this one can cross the blood-brain barrier and uh, is therefore a bit more direct precursor to acetylcholine. And there was a study way back in 1988 on DMAE, and it said a food supplement, namely DMAE, that facilitates the induction of lucid dreams is discussed. And DMAE is one of the nootropics that I'm not a huge fan of. The, there's some downsides to this one. So if you are really committed to trying everything that you can with your lucid dreaming, you might want to try DMAE, but generally I shy away from that one. There's another nootropic called galantamine. Not galantamind, but galantamine. And this is a favorite of lucid dreamers. And apparently four to eight milligrams of this Alzheimer's drug will prolong the half-life of REM producing acetylcholine in your synapses. And so galantamine, it is a pharmaceutical. I have not done a lot of investigation of it. If you were going to use it, you'd want to use it very conservatively. And you'd probably, it wouldn't be something that you'd want to take like every night or very frequently. Next, I'll mention something I do really like, which is tyrosine, which also helps with uh, feelings of restlessness. So if you're operating on less than enough sleep, a dose of tyrosine will add three to five extra hours of productivity to your day. And okay, so tyrosine is not probably going to make you lucid dream. And in fact, you wouldn't want to take tyrosine uh, anytime close to bedtime. But there's a couple of nootropics, uh, tyrosine, rhodiola, and modafinil come to mind that will help you if you're a bit sleep deprived. And what you would kind of find, lucid dreaming can often lead to a bit of sleep deprivation, especially if you're, you may want to try doing something like, uh, like Hooperzine later in the, later in the afternoon or a tiny little bit of Hooperzine before bed to stimulate the dream state. And this is going to, this is going to relate, result in cool, lucid dreams, but then you're probably not going to get the best sleep. So things like tyrosine or rhodiola are, 
uh, worth having in your biohacker armentarium so that you can operate in that sleep deprived state the next day, which really isn't something that you should make a habit out of. But if you try, if you do it like a couple times just to have the experience of a really awesome, vivid, lucid dream, hey, that's not so bad. It'll result in a cool memory. And also mention melatonin and supplementing the naturally occurring neurotransmitter of deep sleep is a, probably a good idea for almost everyone, especially if you're a person that spends hours staring at glowing screens after dusk. Melatonin is a good idea because all of those bright screens, your television, your tablet, your laptop, or your smartphone block the melatonin release that naturally makes you tired and leads to profound, fulfilling sleep. And some of the supplements above uh, also that promote this kind of state, like I said, they can also, they, there's a double-edged sword to this, which is, which is common with, uh, with, with supplementation, especially with, with stimulants, is that they can sometimes make it difficult. Some of these things can make it difficult to sleep. And this is why, this is why I recommend with the lucid dreaming that you do it maybe episodically or you do it infrequently. Because if you're throwing Hooperzine at your system every single night, you're going to end up being kind of an underslept sort of person. And you might also wonder about marijuana. You might think that the weed that artists and writers and creatives tend to adore, you might think that that would augment lucid dreaming. But on the contrary, people tend to find that marijuana before bed is a great way to kill the uh, lucid dreaming life. And so about taking the supplements. So during the night, sleep happens in cycles. They're approximately 90 minutes. And a lot of times there is a micro or a full awakening between these REM cycles. So you'll usually have your most lucid dreams between about 4 a.m. and the time that you wake up. Usually you're having those lucid dreams in the very early, in the very early morning. And so what is actually ideal is that if you can try to take your lucid dreaming supplements in the middle of the night before your final REM cycle. And uh, I, I've certainly found that I'm, yeah, my dreams tend to happen in that very early morning. So you could set yourself up for this. You kind of set the intention by putting out your nootropics next to on your nightstand right there by where you're sleeping with the glass of water and then let's say you have a uh you have a wake up you have you have a wake up let's say you actually have uh, a dream that's kind of cool but not exactly a lucid dream and then you wake up and you say oh that dream is so cool i'm going to do the mild technique and so you drop those nootropics and that can be conducive to some of these really awesome experiences that people are talking about. And then 
With the, along with the supplements and the drugs, I am going to mention nicotine. And there's somewhat of a debate going on over at the Dream Views Forum about whether using a nicotine patch is a healthy way to induce lucid dreaming. They're debating whether it's healthy, but what's not in debate is that nicotine patches can increase the vividness and your ability to recall dreams. And this is because nicotine is involved with the acetylcholine system, and so it promotes lucid dreaming. And a single cigarette is going to contain something like one to three milligrams of nicotine, and it's going to leave the body relatively quickly. And of course, it's going to be uh, a bit stimulating. This is why people enjoy their uh, their vaping and their cigarettes and uh, their uh, the, the, the snuff, is called snuff, the, that gross stuff that people put in their mouths to chew. But a nicotine patch that contains something like seven milligrams gets released into the body over many hours. It's a slower drip of nicotine into the system. And many lucid dreamers on the internet report some of their most vivid lucid dream experiences while wearing nicotine patches. So this is something that I have actually never tried this one. I have had a, uh, a quite an affair with nicotine going on several years now. It's one of my favorite smart drugs, but I've never actually tried the, the nicotine patch. And I think that you would have to have pretty non-existent self-control to get addicted from nicotine wearing a wearing a patch. The things that make uh, cigarettes or cigars or even the uh, nicotine in USP solution, like what I take, I've got a video explaining all this that's linked in the article. What makes all of these forms of nicotine consumption so addictive is the aesthetic experience that's involved with it. And then the instant satisfaction that the nicotine delivers. That's where, that's what underlies the addiction uh, mechanism is the habits that go the habits and just the activity that surround it. But if you're wearing a patch and it's this really slow drip of nicotine into your system, then it's then it's not so it's not so habit forming. But you kind of want to watch yourself a little bit. Maybe if you have an addictive personality, that is not such a good idea. So I put this under the in the category of something worth trying once. Or maybe you've got a friend, family, roommate who has some nicotine patches lying around. If you're a former smoker and you take a, you do a nicotine patch, you may wake up kind of yearning for a cigarette. So maybe not best for everyone. But that's, but, but that one is one of the notable uh, lucid dreaming stimulators. But you again, you would want to use the patch. You wouldn't want to do. Uh, you wouldn't even want to do the gum because if you got like some of that, like Lucy gum, the nicotine gum, and then you had that while you're doing your mild technique lying in bed, well, that's going to be too stimulating. You're going to get stimulated and 
wake up so those patches seem like the only option there. Next, let's talk about tools because there's some tools and some tech. First one, this caught my mind, although I never got the chance to use this, is the Remy mask. And so Dr. LeBerge originally developed a REM sensing dream mask, but it went off the market a couple of years back and a New York startup released this very clever mask to uh, rave reviews. Apparently, actually, I looked into this and some people thought this thing was really great for stimulating lucid dreams. And then some people thought that it was kind of a scam. And it was basically like a sleep mask. And, oh, bummer. It looks like it's not for sale on Amazon, at least via the link that I had. So let's do another search, Remy mask. Okay, yes, so these are available now on Amazon for about $55. That's pretty affordable. And apparently the idea is that the mask senses when you're going into an REM, uh, into an REM, REM state, and then it has these, these white, or no, 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 red lights, these red lights that vibe on the back of the lights. So you'll be in a dream and you'll start seeing these red lights vibing in front of you because there there is some perception through your through your eyes even while you're dreaming and then this will be your reminder that you are in a dream. So maybe worth trying, maybe seems like probably a good gift idea for someone. Although I contend that the using the mild technique and using the reality testing that I discussed earlier, that's probably going to work just as good as this uh, as this mask will. Next, this is actually a pretty important part of all this, is the audio dream journal. So it's very tricky. It's very unlikely that you'll habituate lucid dreaming without consistently keeping a dream journal. And this journaling is especially important for becoming aware of your dream signs. And for yours, dream journaling, if you've ever tried it, wrecked havoc on the sleep cycles of lucid dreamers and their bed partners. Because you got to turn on the light, find the dream journal, find a pen, scribble a little account of the dream, and then you got to try to go back to sleep. But fortunately, in the era of smartphones, this is all a whole lot easier. All you have to do is install an audio recorder app and widget. Something like Midio Recorder, uh, Evernote, or there, there's a bunch of these that you can use. And when you wake up from a dream, you make a voice note describing the dream as thoroughly as you can and then go back to bed without disrupting your circadian sleep cycle quite so much. And this is something that I did for a while. And I've got some audio recordings of very drowsy me mumbling through my recent dreams that I had had. What I'll do just for fun is I'll attach maybe one or two of those recordings of my dreams to the end of this podcast. If you are curious 
And this is actually something that I discontinued doing because it does entail having your smartphone turned on next to you in bed, which is really not great for sleep quality. And at this point in my life, my sleep quality is a little bit more important than my dream journaling. But again, if you're new to lucid dreaming and you want to dive in, this might be something that you do for like a month or two is keep your phone there, put it in airplane mode, importantly, and then turn the brightness of the screen all the way down so that you can turn on the phone and don't shine it right in your face, angle it so that it's away from your face. And then you hit that little widget. It should be there on the front screen of your phone for doing a dream recording. And you'll get these, uh, yeah, you'll end up with all these recordings of uh, you very tired describing your, describing your dreams. So let's move on to talking about things to do during your lucid dreams. So once you've gained a bit of competence with the induction, the stabilizing, and the remembering of your lucid dreams, it's time to have some fun. So one of the first places where a lot of people's minds go is sex, of course. Many people's first desire upon realizing they're in a lucid dream is to have sex. And while less enjoyable, it's... uh, (laughs) It it can often be less work than having sex in real life is. So you simply state your intention to have intercourse to the dream world. And often a willing partner will show up promptly. Although in my experience in the past, the sexual sensations are pretty Dulled. So it's not quite, it's, it's not nearly as much fun as the real thing, but the, uh, the visual stimulation is certainly there. And the sensation of running your hands over someone else's skin can be vivid. And if you are really adventurous, if you want to go a little, get a little bit weird with this, what you could try to do in a dream is see if you can have intercourse in the dream as the opposite sex of what you are in real life. I haven't been able to pull this off personally yet, but many lucid dreamers report being able to change their own appearance in dreams. So it stands to reason that you could maybe change your anatomy down there. I don't know, maybe worth trying. Let me know if you try it and if, uh, if, if, it's, if it's as strange as it sounds. Next really fun thing to do in dreams is fighting. Arguably as fun as uh, the item described previously. Dream fighting is a blast. You can do all sorts of awesome martial arts moves that you can't actually do in real life. You can fight five full-grown men at the same time and use all sorts of weapons. And unlike, this is my experience, unlike in the recent uh, uh, Medal of Honor or whatever video game is popular now, fighting in dreams is not a lot of gore, blood, and guts. In my experience, the combatants in my dreams generally don't even bleed. And again, like I said, you can feel a bit of pain 
in dreams. So it's just important to, if you do feel some pain in the dream, don't let that shock you out of the dream. That would be the place to do your hand rubbing and your spinning. In dreams, you are usually the one that has to start the fight and then the rumbles on. Next is flying. Another crowd pleaser in the dream world. So this is the place to set your Superman fantasies free. However, it takes some practice to dart in and out of skyscrapers and landscapes. Like Neo in The Matrix, They'll it'll take a bit of practice to develop those aerial skills. And so you start by attempting simple levitation. You focus on the sensation of your feet on the ground and then imagine your feet lifting off and you'll find yourself levitating several meters above the ground. And then from there, see how much altitude you can gain. Practice with forward and backward momentum. And then here's another one. Demand a gift. And this one I got from some tribal societies. There's lots of tribal societies that incorporate dreaming into their coming of age rituals. And one of the more unique rituals, I forget which tribal society this comes from, is that in your dream, you'll face a frightening creature. Maybe you'll have a nightmare where you have some frightening creature and what you do is you fight them and you fight them demanding that they give you a gift and you keep fighting until they give you a gift. And then uh, you wake up and you uh, brag about that. And then, I don't know, maybe you're entitled to have your own little plot of land to farm and you get to have a wife or, or, or however, the, uh, however the ritual goes in those societies. It seems, seems like it might be pretty easy to just uh, tell people that that happened in your dreams and then, uh, then you'd get to pass through that particular step. Next, let's talk about personal development applications. So as you can see, lucid dreaming can be great entertainment, but there's also some things where it might aid your, your growth. First of all, practicing skills. A Dr. Erlocker demonstrated in a German sleep lab that dreams make for a decent practice environment. Although, of course, not as good as real life practice. Through an experiment involving throwing coins in a coffee cup. So that's kind of fascinating, isn't it? So they got a control group an experiment and an experimentation group. And then they had one group of people who, who were lucid dreamers who could architect and they'd get a coffee cup and then they'd get coins. And then in the lucid dream, they'd practice throwing the coins into the coffee cup. And the people that were doing that in their lucid dreams ended up being a little bit better at that than the people that weren't doing the throwing. That's fascinating, isn't it? Although often less formal experiments have involved uh, practicing riding a skateboard, a unicycle, and even uh, snowboarding. Interestingly, video game designers and developers use lucid dreaming as a concept generation space. They manifest uh, monsters and uh, alien characters in their dreams and then model game elements and adversaries after these figments of their unconscious. That's kind of cool. That's a thing to maybe think about as you're uh, playing 
video video games. I found in the past that lucid dreaming could become, could be helpful in overcoming approach anxiety with women, which in a lucid dream, in a a lucid dream, there's really no reason to have approach anxiety. And then if you face the same situation in real life, then you can remember doing it in the dream. And it might give you just, just that bit more confidence that you need. Next thing you can do in your dreams is ask a deep question. So once you get over the sex fantasies, the gunfights, the space exploration, hopefully you'll be drawn to explore the depths of your own subconscious. So you can pick a deep question about yourself and start asking it to the characters in your dreams. A couple of examples. Why am I afraid to do blank? You can ask, what is the best option with some life decision that you have going on? You can ask, should I quit my job? Should I continue my relationship with so-and-so? Should I continue my education or should I focus on my career? Should I have kids? And one of the deep questions that I asked went something like this. I, and this is a while back, I was once a very religious person. I was zealously religious. And then I became an atheist. And when I was religious, I always believed that, or I often believed that non-religious people, while claiming intellectual reasons for their atheism, were just using it as an excuse for their hedonistic activities. And then I moved on to be quite the hedonist myself when I was not religious. And I asked myself, am I intellectually justified or am I, or have I just become one of those people that I used to be judgmental of? Am I just avoiding my maker because my moral standards are a shadow of what they used to be? And the answer that I got to that question that what the, was that I was indeed just bullshitting myself and that I had become what I was once judgmental of. And I think that may have been one of the introspection points where I decided to become, I, I decided to give up the atheism and the agnosticism and become a, a Christian again. And, and there's a lot more to that decision in my own life. At some point, I'll do a real deep dive podcast about all that. Uh, something else that had a lot to do with that was actually PubMed, actually researching, researching science had a lot to do with me moving, with me having that dramatic shift in worldview back to what I was raised with. But that's a whole nother podcast. However, I should note with these, with this questioning, about 60% of the answers that you get will be junk. They will be disorganized nonsense. They will be noise, not signal. But, but occasionally, like Cobb questioning Maul while in limbo, occasionally you will get some real gems of introspection when you're doing your dreaming. Next, let's talk about mindfulness and situational 
awareness. Be present. You hear this repeated to by everyone from doctors and psychologists to comedians and celebrities. And to, to synopsize the philosophy, it means habituating a more profound level of situational awareness. And successful lucid dreaming depends on being highly observant of small details in the world around you while asking the most abstract of all questions frequently, which is, is my world real? And so uh, typically, if you're a busy, ambitious, life hacker type, your thoughts day to day are going to be focused something like about 50% of your thoughts are going to be focused on the future, about 20% focused on the present, about 30% focused on the past. That's what I kind of find it is for me. And I don't think that's a big problem because the future and architecting and plotting one's own destiny, that's a pretty important thing. But what is important is having flexibility, uh, a source of anxiety and a source of, I think, uh, depression and self-judgment is when your mind is constant, is, is too often in the future and too often in the past. And you're not transitioning really easily back and forth and then focusing on the present moment when you need to be. And this is, this is a personal development benefit, again, of lucid dreaming, is that these lucid dreamers are very frequently, maybe it's every hour of the day, they are asking themselves, is my world real? And they're really paying attention to the, the environment that's around them. And this is a way of grounding yourself a bit more in the present. And so myself and other lucid dreamers out there have found a highly reciprocal relationship between this, between this practice and just being more present in their waking life. And I do have another article that talks about that. It's a pretty fun one. It's called uh, Gamify Your Reality. And I shared that one recently and I do link to it in this article. Next, let's mention self-control. The threat simulation environment of dreaming exists for the specific purpose, again, of training your mind to focus on responding to danger. So it is a great, it's great practice for your self-control to consciously take a step back from the immediate dangers your world presents you with and ask the lucid dreamers question is my world real? Next, coming to our conclusion here, we'll talk about architecting one's own reality. I'm sure you've heard the pithy line that what separates successful people from the rest of us is the ability to create one's own reality based upon desire and vision. And this idea, while romantic, is it's it's ultimately pretty useless to the kind of person who is not getting what they want in life and the veteran lucid dreamer is a supreme master of their own nocturnal domain anything they desire pops into existence before them upon 
demand. So there's a larger philosophical kind of mindset shift that lucid dreaming can galvanize for you where you get used to architecting your own reality. And in the beginning, it's just sex and fighting and flying and uh, imagining really fantastic kinds of things, architecting. But over time, you're going to create something a lot more. Over time, you're going to be asking these profound questions and you're going to be revisiting your, you're going to be revisiting your past. And so this over time, many people argue has a translational benefit where your waking life, you become more intentional about architecting that which is awesome, right? And so this and and so this this maturity that you can experience as a lucid dreamer, this is where some people get the idea that our world, that our reality is a dream in God's head. Cuz you can imagine as as a new lucid dreamer, again, you're interested in uh, hanging out on a fancy yacht and having crazy sex and then having a lightsaber battle, right? You're interested in the really exciting things. But over time, you become interested in something much more nuanced and layered and complex. And, uh, and, and so you could argue that if you were God, you might at first create a world that was perfect or a world that was purely entertaining, but over time you create this very nuanced kind of world with all of these organic dynamics playing out. It's a stimulating hypothesis. That one, that one makes some sense to me. And then I'll just conclude by mentioning a couple of famous people that lucid dream, which is Steve Pavlina. He's another personal development guru. There's a dude named Daniele Bellelli who has a bunch of really cool history podcasts. Tim Ferriss, Lucid Dreams. Albert Einstein did, apparently. James Cameron, I think he was the director of Titanic. He Lucid Dreams. Joe Rogan does. And so did Nikola Tesla. So I do hope that this podcast will inspire you to join their ranks. I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, looking forward to a continued conversation with you.